to the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. Folks, we have a very special episode here tonight. Episode 100. We have reached triple digits, which is unbelievable. It's crazy to think. It's been about almost exactly two years ago that we started this pod with uh, my former co-host Sam. Hope Sam's doing well. Uh, Banzi, brought you into the fold here the last couple months. It's been a great ride with you too. Happy to have you a part of this. Steve as well, who will be rejoining us in a few weeks. But I mean, 100 episodes, and I, I mean, my man, I know this is video only here. You look like you go out and coach football for the Eagles right now. My man's got the Eastern Michigan hat on, the Eastern Michigan polo. You look like you should be on the sidelines there at Ron Harrison Stadium. Um, you know, I, hey, if they want to give me a call, uh, I'm just going uh, you know, even here in the, the heat of the summer here right now, um, that I am ready. And I, you know, I don't know if you can see it. It's, you know, the chrome plated block E, yeah. chrome plated, diamond plated on the hat. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it may be a gray shirt that I have on, but this collar is all blue. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. You mentioned you mentioned the temperature, man. I don't know what it's like up there in, in Michigan, but to, today and tomorrow here in Pittsburgh is like 95 and humid. Like way. I mean, I like the heat. I like the summer. That's a little too much for me, though. What's it been like up there? Your neck of the woods. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been about the same. Um, you know, had some severe storms come through the other day. And then after that, it's just been hot and humid. Um, you know, luckily, uh, I, where I worked, we have two buildings, one that doesn't have very good AC and then one that does. And somehow this week I drew the straw of being in the one with excellent AC. So, um, my deodorant, uh, appreciates that. <laughs> it's, it's the small victories like that. Sometimes it help you get through the week though. You, you sometimes, you know, you gotta appreciate those little things. Um, but yeah, so folks, episode 100 here tonight. Um, you know, we don't have a ton of an agenda for that. We're just going to kind of lay back and, you know, we had asked some Twitter questions this week. We're going to talk about some of the responses we got, going to get each other's thoughts on mostly on the upcoming football season here, uh, as we kind of start to kick off some of our, our season preview coverage. But, uh, before we get to that point though, um, one actual news story that we started the report on last week that we wanted to follow up here on this week because we do have a little bit of a development. Uh, former Central Michigan running back Kobe Lewis, who ran for a thousand yards for the Chippewas a few years ago, missed last season uh, with uh, with a knee injury, which he sustained in uh, in camp right before the season started. Well, Kobe Lewis has announced his uh, has announced a new destination going to a program uh, in the region that most Mac schools are very familiar with in the Big Ten. He has transferred to West Lafayette. He's going to be a Purdue Boilermaker uh, starting next year. And, and Vanzi, I know we both follow the Big Ten pretty closely uh, in addition to the Mac. Purdue these last couple of years under Jeff Brom, I mean, they've, they've been a – They've been one of those teams that that's always an interesting matchup. They're always good for an upset. They always seem to have great wide receivers, but one of their weak points does seem to have been running back these last couple of seasons. They're very much a, a air, a, you know, a, a passing based offense. They haven't had a running back that they can really go to, you know, that's going to give them four or five yards of carry. Maybe Kobe Lewis feels that he can be that guy in West Lafayette. He certainly was that guy for a period of time at Central Michigan. What do you think about the fit for him uh, heading down the road to, to be a Boilermaker? Yeah, well, one of the first things that kind of, you know, I thought about is, you know, this may actually be, uh, you know, very rarely do you see a player, you know, get hurt, miss time and then transfer up a level to a Big Ten school. And you see that with Kobe Lewis, which kind of speaks um, to his talent level. Um, so, you know, that's a that's a big step for him. Um, I would say he's a perfect fit for this Purdue offense. I mean, he caught 40 passes for 270 yards, you know, uh, his last healthy season. Purdue, that's what they're looking for when they're using the tailback is somebody who can catch the ball out of the backfield, um, you know, almost like another receiver. So that's going to be a good opportunity for him. But also he's going to Purdue and he may actually be in position to get more carries, you know, or, or to have a bigger part in the offense than what he was going to have at Central Michigan behind Lou Nichols. You know, I, I think uh, Lou Nichols would be the best player, best running back on either of those two teams. So that's something to think about. Um, actually, the second Mac transfer to Purdue this offseason 
uh, joined by Kent State offensive lineman Daniel Johnson. Um, so I, I found that one as well. I thought that was interesting. But yeah, I think on paper, you know, depending on his health, he should be a good fit. Um, you know, if nothing else, should be able to return some kicks. Um, they have, you know, a, a three other running backs, um, King Doro, I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, Dylan Downing, and Sans, Samson James, who sat out last year as a transfer from Indiana. So, you know, I mean, none of those names are household names. Um, seeing the playmaking ability of Kobe Lewis before his injury, I think he's got a good opportunity to potentially um, see some significant time in that Purdue Boilermaker backfield. Yeah, I think it's a great point you make, um, especially with looking at what the, you know, the running back room that they have there in West Lafayette. I mean, you mentioned King Daru, who is the leading returning rusher. This is a guy that was the leading rusher for Purdue last year. He had 533 yards rushing. This is not a team that runs, you know, has run the ball very much. Last year, I mean, Aiden O'Connell, the uh, the starting quarterback uh, for the Boilermakers, threw the ball 440 times, 3,712 yards. I mean, this is a team that um, that that barely rushed for a thousand yards last year. I mean, and that's split among three different running backs. So you know, you you would like to think that he could go in there and and make a little bit of a of an impact in that running back room. You mentioned. Um, you know, you mentioned that the, uh, you know, him being able to, to catch passes out of the backfield. That's a great point that you make. King Daru had 20 catches last year, averaged almost eight yards a catch uh, out of the backfield for the Boilermakers. So it does certainly seem like there's going to be room for him there. I would love for him to go in there and become, you know, kind of win that starting job and become the feature back. I would love to see that for Kobe because it's tough. You know, anytime you lose a job like he did where you miss a season because of, uh, you know, because of an injury like that, I always want those guys to bounce back and so um certainly it seems like a seems like a a good landing spot for kobe lewis i will say though i'm, I'm gonna hope that he has a very successful season starting in week two uh my, my nittany lions traveling out there to west lafayette to open the season on uh, that that first thursday night of college football so i'm gonna go ahead and hope that kobe lewis has 11 straight 100 yard rushing games to close the season maybe he takes that first thursday night off though i don't know maybe that's asking for too much we'll see but uh, Vanzi, so for, for the rest of the show here tonight, again, like I mentioned at the top, not a ton of uh, not a ton of an agenda here, not a ton to talk about other than some of the responses we've gotten. I'm, you know, I posted this on Twitter the other day where, you know, this is our 100th episode this week. So, you know, a little bit of reflection I felt like was was necessary as, as we hit the milestone. So I'd be curious. I want to hear from you. Obviously, I know uh, you are an Eastern Michigan alum. But I want to. I'm trying to understand your story, just from a from a, 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 a fan, as a fan of the MAC, as a fan of Eastern Michigan. Did did your fandom of the school and the conference start when you uh, you know decided to attend Eastern Michigan, or does it go back further than that? No, it it actually goes back further than that. Um, actually, I, I don't know if I've ever told this story. Um, I dated this girl for a long time, and she actually went to EMU. Uh, while I went to community college and when we broke up, I was, I, I, I hated EMU, you know, <laughs> I, I was like that school, you know, like because of her, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, then I was working up that way. And I said, well, I want to go back to school when I finished community college, wound up there. Great choice, great school, um, great experiences, but really my fandom. And I think we did speak of this before. Um, you know, before that story, it kind of started with the NCAA football video games. Yeah. You know, because where I'm at, you have Toledo, Bowling Green, Central, Western, Eastern. They're all within like, you know, a, a Sasquatch footprint. You know, like it's all in one big, you know, area. And when you're playing NCAA football video games, what I would always do is I would pick Eastern Michigan and I would try to build them up. You know, yeah. and I try to, to win. And uh, also it's a travesty. I got, I'm going to go on a little bit of tangent. It's a travesty that those games stopped before they ever put the gray turf in, you know? Oh but, yeah. I, didn't well, I can't wait. I, I can't wait for this next one to have gray turf at Ryan Nearson at the factory. Um, but yeah, so it kind of started with the fandom there through that. And I remember 
I was, I was in high school and I won some tickets through, or no, I was in middle school. I won some tickets through a radio station and, um, you know, it was some, one of the games was against Toledo and I remember showing up and it's pouring down rain, me and my father, and we had these free tickets, like, cool, we won free tickets and we show up and we walk up to the gate and, you know, nobody's even taking tickets. You know, they're just kind of like, come on in, you know, like it, it's like, what? Like, you know, and, and to see how it's grown now. And I don't think people really realize that, you know, how low the program was before Chris Creighton. Um, I remember, you know, like when my ex went there, you know, we went to several games in the Ron English, um, you know, era, you know, and, um, you know, it was just it's crazy to see, I mean, it's still got a long way to go. I mean, you know, the student involvement could be better. Um, you know, more people could elect to come to the games opposed to tailgating um, at the big house or whatever it may be, but it has come so far. And, uh, you know, I don't think people realize that the fact now that, you know, around final exams in, in around Christmas and the holidays, you're kind of looking like, okay, well, maybe I don't want to make plans because I want to go to an Eastern Michigan bowl game. That's something that was never heard of before. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly is. It, I mean, I don't think enough people around the country really appreciate enough um, just exactly how far Chris Creighton has brought that program. Right. I mean, you mentioned, I remember, so I remember when I was, um, I want to say I was maybe a sophomore at Penn State. Maybe it might have been like 2000. I don't know. 2010, maybe. I don't know. Some, one of those years, 2009, 2010, 2011, so, somewhere in that range. And uh, the Eastern Michigan played at Penn State. This was the Ron English area era. And I mean, all due respect to Eastern Michigan. But I mean, at that time, watch I mean, it was like watching a high school team play. And obviously Penn State, you know, a big 10 team every year you bring in teams for, you know, these quote unquote guarantee games, but the, that Eastern Michigan team, I mean, there just didn't seem to be any organization. There was no creativity on offense. The defense was very vanilla, weren't able to do much. So it wasn't even just that it was a talent program problem. It seemed like a, just a, a culture program pro problem. If I could talk right now, my goodness, a culture problem in general. And Chris Creighton seems to have come and just completely flipped that on his head. Yeah, I, I, and I, I mean, so let's go back even further or, you know, really, I mean, kind of that same time frame. I don't, you know, I don't know if a lot of people outside of Ypsilanti remember this story, but there's this young man, D. Reed, Demarius Reed, um, was shot and killed at a nearby apartment um, complex and very tragic and heartbreaking and just, just incredibly sad. But then also you had some things that were going on, a lot of off-field trouble during the LeBron English era for players. It, and it was just kind of this thing where it became culture-wise, it just, it, it, it just felt like there was no positive publicity. You know, it was all negative. And then, you know, off the field and all that. And then you get into the Chris And then Ron English was fired for a, a terrible rant. And, you know, so you, you have that going on and, and, uh, and then you, you know, you get into the Chris Creighton error and then, you know, one of his first years you have where they come out and, you know, the accountant professor, you know, is saying, oh my gosh, our school's bankrupting itself, trying to support this football program and, and all this. And, um, and then EMU cut some sports and left football and, and people were saying, oh my gosh, why didn't you cut football? And it was just this, you know, probably like it just, it always felt like football was under attack and it wasn't cool even amongst like, you know, the, the student body, like, Hey, I I'm going to the game this week and Hey, let's tailgate for the most part. People are like, really, you want to do that in the Chris Creighton era. They did. I mean, you know, yeah, the products improved on the field, but you look around the branding, the diamond plate E, the the gray turf, you know, people may say, okay, that's hokey. That's, you know, all this, you know, it's a bunch of, you know, lipstick or whatever, but you see that gray turf and you know that that's Eastern Michigan. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that's something before where they went from the Eagle head E to the block E and now, you know, now football, that diamond plate E you've seen it on TV beating big 10 schools. All of a sudden that branding means something. And Chris Creighton's done a tremendous job. His staff's done a tremendous job. And I do think you're getting to the point now where like the students look forward to Eastern football season and alumni come back for certain events and there's a point of pride and a point of ownership of hey this means something this means something to our school that's great i love that i love to hear that and i also love and respect the fact well i guess i i don't think i don't think the the the, i don't think an eastern i don't think a bandwagon eastern michigan fan exists but I, I do. I think it's great. It's noted on the record here that your fandom began well before this current period of success with Chris Creighton, <laughs> Go, going well back before that. So I, I can certainly appreciate that. My my initiation to the Mac was um, a little bit different than yours. Obviously, I, you know, I, I didn't grow up with a Mac, you know, program in my backyard. There's a you know, Kent State Akron about two hours away. Uh, temple for a little bit temple yeah but even temple i mean temple is a four or five hour drive too um but so you know so the, the way i got initiated though it was similar to you in the sense of like it happened partially through like the ncaa football uh video games i remember i don't know why i remember in like second grade for christmas i got a playstation and i got ncaa football like I don't know, 98 or 97 or whatever. And uh, it had, it was the one that had Desmond Howard on the cover doing the Heisman pose in the end zone. And um, anyway, I remember seeing Ball State's logo in that game being like, that's a cool Cardinal logo. And they would always be, they would always be my team uh, when I did a dynasty in NCAA football. And uh, right around that same time, it might've been a couple years later. It was like, I want to say maybe it was like 2000, 2001. Ball State was in the Maui Invitational you know, the, the, the pre, you know, the preseason non-conference basketball tournament out in Hawaii and on back-to-back nights, they beat Duke and they beat UCLA and in this tournament, or I'm sorry, they beat Kansas and UCLA. And then they lost to Duke in the title game. Kansas and UCLA were like both top 10 teams and ball state beat them on back-to-back nights. And I just, I don't know why that sticks in my mind so much, but ever since then, I always remember, like, I remember watching that. I remember watching like, um, I remember watching game day at Bowling Green when Urban Meyer was the coach and like Bowling Green and and Northern Illinois were both ranked. And I remember being like, this, this conference is awesome. This was around the same time where this was around the same time where uh, Randy Moss was at Marshall, which everyone, I mean, everyone remember, you can look up the highlights on YouTube of how electric Randy Moss was at that time, or even that's, you know, Byron Leftwich too. There's that iconic video of him getting carried down the field by his offensive lineman at Akron, whenever he had a, you know, broken leg or whatever. So I just, those are the things in my mind, as I was like a young college football fanatic or college sports fanatic in general, those are the things that stick in my mind uh, as, you know, just as a, as a general rule, I've been, as you know, as a Penn state fan, I've been at many Penn state uh, disappointments against Mac schools. I watched Ohio beat us in my, I think that was my junior year of college. I remember when Toledo beat us back in, you know, whatever that was 2003 or whatever. Um, Chester Taylor. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Chester Taylor uh, for, uh, for Toledo. And then that Ohio game uh, I'll never forget uh, Tyler Tettleton at, at quarterback. Uh, leading the Bobcats. So that was Bill O'Brien's first game as uh, as head coach at Penn State. Hey, crazy. I mean, I, it's hard, I can't even believe that was whatever, 11, you can go 12, 11 or 12 years ago now. Uh, pretty crazy to think about. But no, that's 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 cool, Vansy. I, I love hearing uh, your stories and just fan stories in general. I'm always super interested in understanding how a person became a fan of the team or the school that they support. And it's cool to understand that uh, your, your Eastern Michigan fandom goes goes back quite a ways um i i so we asked a similar question here on twitter this week where we you know we were asking what are your favorite memories as a mac fan and what's been the best moment for your school since you became a fan and uh we got a we got a lot of good replies here folks we 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 appreciate it as always we'll start off uh, our our friends over at zips united who follow them if you're not following them already follow all these folks if you're not following them already but uh zips united a great account to follow uh, if, if you're interested in the Akron Zips at all. 
Uh, but they, their, their response was more recently, uh, the Mac men's basketball title from this past year, uh, mentioned the, the 2018 win over Northwestern in football as well. in that last year of the Terry Bowden, uh, era, and then the women's swimming and diving, uh, which has been incredibly successful here over the last decade. And then also, I think this is something that goes under the radar here, Van, uh, Vanzi, probably because soccer is not one of your, you know, kind of quote unquote premier revenue sports, but the Akron Zips won the national championship in men's soccer back in 2010 and are still one of the premier programs in the country. And I feel like that's something that doesn't get talked about enough, even as fans, as people that cover the Mac, I feel like the Akron's men's soccer program is a really strong program that doesn't get talked about a ton. Yeah, I think it's, it is kind of overlooked And one of the most successful uh, modern American players, uh, DeAndre Yedlin. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, like I, I was shocked when I learned that I I'm a, I, I mean, I'm not a big soccer guy. I enjoy watching it, but um, not a lot of Mac schools have men's soccer. It's kind of something with title nine, they're more likely yeah. to have women's soccer. And I think people kind of gloss over the fact. And then also it happens to, you know, the, the season that it happens kind of going against football. I almost said men's football, but going against football um, makes it a little bit hard to kind of get everybody into it. But uh, yeah, I definitely think, uh, you know, Akron soccer um, doesn't get the credit that it's that, that it deserves. And uh, I think there's a lot of quote unquote, non-revenue sports teams that don't get the credit throughout the Mac that they deserve. Um, but Akron soccer has got to be right up there. I mean, you know, you talk about some down years for Akron, Akron athletics and nobody really talked about Akron soccer being a powerhouse program. I'm sure in Akron and in the soccer community, people talk about it, but outside of that, they didn't really get much attention. Yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, you go back to that 2010, that NCAA College Cup knocking off number one Louisville uh, to take the title. The only uh, national championship in program history, the only national championship that any uh, Mac, uh, Mac soccer team has ever won. So uh, really, I mean, really an awesome, an awesome achievement for the Zips there. So some, some great, uh, some great shout outs there for, from, from Zips United. Speaking of that win over Northwestern in 2018, Bansy, it's crazy to think about. I mean, Akron's football team was in the is it was in the MAC championship game in 2017. In that 2018 uh, season, knocked off Northwestern in non-conference play, ended up finishing that year five and seven, and just missed out on a bowl. But then they they you know they fired Terry Bowden off that after that, and it's like the the bottom just fell out of that program so fast. Uh, Tom Arth obviously had a long hill to climb there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about you know Joe Moorhead and and you know what they're doing here, what the, you know the expectations are for the Zips this year um we also are good friends over at the the college sports connection podcast alex and aj uh once again go follow them if you're not already alex a uh, a toledo alum talking uh mentioned the uh the, the rockets victory over michigan uh in football back i believe i want to say that was 2011 or 2012 if i'm not mistaken and then aj a ball state alum uh mentioned the uh cardinals knocking off army 40 to 14 at uh, Schumann Stadium back in 2013, back when uh, Keith Wenning was still playing quarterback for the Cardinals. Banzi, I know you're a Michigan guy. Do you, you, what was that when Toledo went into the big house and beat them? Was that, was that Rich Rod or was that, um, was that um, Brady Hoke? That was Rich Rod. That, that was, that Rich was Rod. yeah, that was Rich Rod. That was uh, Toledo Tom, Tom Amstutz. Yes. Uh, so the head coach, um, Aaron Opelt was the Toledo quarterback that day. Uh, boy, that was a dark day for Michigan football, um, you know, but but maybe even darker than the Appalachian State game um, was the fact that there really wasn't this tremendous surprise. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, they lost, you know, to Toledo. People weren't really surprised. And that kind of spoke how far the program had fallen. Interesting story about that. Um, Barry Church, a safety on that Toledo team. Um, I don't know where this interview was, but I have seen it several times. Toledo is so close to Ann Arbor that following that game, the Toledo players came back up to Ann Arbor and crashed the U of M frat parties. 
<laughs> wow, no <Yeah>. way. <laughs> yep. And, and and they did it wearing Toledo gear, according to Barry Church. So that's I mean, talk about a power move there. That's that's I mean, that's pretty that's that's hilarious. I love to hear that. If I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to look this up right now. My 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 computer's being slow. If I'm not mistaken, though, correct me if I'm wrong, Vansy, but that wasn't even like a particularly good Toledo team, right? I think I don't even think that team made a bowl game. I think they were like five and seven that year. Um, what would that have been? 2009, I think. Was it 2009? Let me, I'm, all right, let's, let's, let's get to the bottom of this right now. 2008. 2008. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah. Okay. Let's go back. Let me go back one more year here. Nick Sheridan was the, uh, the Michigan quarterback. Um, Nick wow. Moore was, Nick Moore was a big receiver for Toledo. Wow. Toledo, okay. That both teams um, following that game had identical two and four records. I was going to say, so I'm looking at this now, Vanzi. 2008, Toledo was three and nine, and one of their three wins was Michigan in the big house. That's it. That's actually, that's pretty crazy. I didn't realize that. I, I, I thought for some reason, I thought Toledo was like six and six and just missed a bowl game or something like that. That makes that result even a little bit more shocking, I would say. Certainly an all-time program-defining uh, victory for, for the Rockets there uh, that day. Anytime a, a MAC team can go into the big house and get a victory, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, we also had a friend of the show, Bruce Farrell, Central Michigan fan, uh, chime in. He said Central Michigan's win over Oklahoma State on the last play of the game uh, has to be his favorite, but also – uh, the, the Chippewas three wins over Michigan State up there as well. I think everybody remembers uh, that controversial win that uh, the Chippewas had down in Stillwater back in 2016 when they got that final play uh, untimed uh, against the, the, the Cowboys and were able to steal a victory there. There was, however, there was no fluke. Uh, I remember the last time Central Michigan beat Michigan State going into East Lansing with Dan Lefevre and Antonio Brown knocking off the Spartans. Those were some great Chippewas teams in that era, uh, Vanzi. Antonio Brown, Dan Lefevre, some of those other great rosters they had in like the mid to late 2000s. Uh, those were some great teams up there in Mount Pleasant. Yeah, and uh, actually you forgot the tight end that accompanied um, Antonio Brown and Dan Lefevre some guy by the name of JJ Watt. Oh yes. Yes. You know? Yes. And um, I mean, this, the, you know, we have a video for the zoom, but somewhere in, in my bedroom, I have the motor city boat t-shirt where it was Antonio Brown and the fever JJ Watt um, against um, I believe it was uh, either. I think it was Curtis painter was the Purdue quarterback. And uh, you know, I mean the, the motor city bowl, quick lane bowl, little Caesars bowl. I try to go every year. And that was just one of those um, basketball, you know, football that was just basketball on grass kind of things where Dustin Keller, a tight end for Purdue, just back and forth, um, you know, and, and just a great game and a, and a great memory, um, you know, seeing that team in person. And I don't think it was a particularly good season for Central Michigan that year. It kind of seemed like, the, you know, they you know, you think of the great Mac teams and you kind of think of central Michigan, you kind of think of Lefevre and Jordan Lynch, but Jordan Lynch made it to an orange bowl. Yeah. And, you know, and, and central Michigan just always seemed to kind of lose at the, the worst possible times. I mean, ball state, you know, um, you know, different, just some different losses. Um, but anytime a directional Mac school can go into East Lansing and beat Michigan state, tremendous, um, you know, and, and, a, and in the history of Central Michigan at Michigan State, it's happened a couple of times. Yeah, no, no doubt. No, some memorable ones. I always forget J.J. Watt started his career at Central Michigan before he transferred. Um, keep, keep in, uh, keeping it moving here in the replies, though. We got uh, Kevin McAndrews, big Kevin Sports, uh, mentioned the, the Akron um, walk-off win in the MAC championship game in 2005 when Luke Getze uh, hit Dominic Hicks, Hickson in the end zone 
the last play of the game to give Akron their first and only Mac football title. He also, anyone who um, who wants to go onto Twitter and, and look at the thread, go look at the video that big Kevin Sports, Kevin McAndrews, posted in the thread about Akron beating Western Michigan on a kickoff return on the last play of the game. In that same year, the same year, in 2005, when Akron won that Mac championship, they had a, a, a kickoff return for a touchdown with no points left are no points with no time left on the clock uh, to win that game. 39, 38, 89 yards as time expired. I did not remember that play. I remembered uh, the, the touchdown at the end of the game in the Mac championship game, but I did not recall um, them getting the walk-off victory there at Kalamazoo. That is a brutal way to lose a game there. Uh, just, you know, squib it. There's no reason to kick the ball deep there, Vanzi. Yeah, no. Um, and, uh, yeah, nowadays, I mean, you'd have message boards and you'd oh, have yeah. Twitter and, you know, I mean, like you, you know, you can catch flack on Twitter for the smallest possible things. I mean, boy, oh boy, I couldn't imagine, um, you know, and you start, you know, we, we talk about all this stuff and, and there was a time where like if a Mac coach underachieved, they would have a message board that would pop up say or saying fire so-and-so. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about how far we have come. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt at all. It is true. If, yeah, if Twitter was around back in 2005, I'm sure Mac Twitter would have been blowing up when that happened. Uh, we got our friend uh, Luke Duke here. We got a lot of Akron responses here uh, on this thread, but Luke Duke mentioned the football team's wins over Pitt uh, and Northwestern uh, over the last couple of years, the, the first bowl uh, bowl victory over Utah State in the Idaho Potato Bowl, bowl back in, uh, in 2000. Uh, uh, 16, I believe that was. And then um, also, you know, looking at the basketball side of things, Mac championship game win over Kent. Uh, and then also the, the, the men's soccer national championship, all the Akron fans, I think I feel as if, you know, they should all mention that uh, we had three hearted dad, uh, proud Western Michigan fan posted a picture of when uh, college game day was on uh, the campus there in Kalamazoo uh, for the Western Michigan Buffalo game back in 2017, as they were going through their, uh, their magical undefeated season. Banzi, I know as an Eastern fan, probably hurt your heart a little bit to see Western Michigan have that success that year in 2017. But what do you, what do you remember? Like that was, I mean, unquestionably, I mean, one of the best Mac football teams we've seen in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. What are your memories from that team? Oh man. I now, I, I went to several games. Actually, um, the closest, I, I may be wrong, but the closest regular season uh, result was Eastern Michigan against Western Michigan. Mm. So Eastern went in there and uh, and they had a chance to beat the Broncos. But um, so I went to that game. I went to the MAC championship game. Um, I went to Central against uh, Western. Um, that year was at Central. And uh, the year prior, when it was at Western, was one of the best games I've ever been to. Daniel Braverman, um, that's a name. Um, a little receiver opposite Corey Davis had a great day. I'll never forget that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that uh, – and then uh, I also went to uh, that Buffalo game. I was at that college game day. Um, it was a max scene, if there ever was one. You're walking up, and it's snowing. Lake yeah. effect lake effect snow out there in Kalamazoo and I had to get some two fellas grill um, food to warm up um, but that you know what was great about that was yeah the team was cool you know uh, you know all the names Zach Terrell you know and, and uh, Corey Davis and the success that he's had as a high draft pick but boy it energized that community it energized that town and uh, you know you never, as an Eastern guy, you never want to see Western have success, but I was rooting for them in a cotton bowl or yeah, in a cotton bowl. And, and it's, you know, at that point, you're just pulling for the Mac because you, and you know, that by proxy, it makes you and your school look better as well. Um, but also Western that year, I believe it scheduled some big 10 schools. I think they played, uh, I think Illinois and uh, I want to say Northwestern and had yeah. to beat them. And uh, I remember those, uh, I actually bet on Western in those two games. That was my first time ever betting on college football. And I, I looked like a genius. Fancy, I love that you were able to, to uh, parlay some, your, your Mac knowledge into uh, some, some winnings there. Some money. That's a slippery slope though, man. You win your first two bets, you start to think it's easy and that it's all, it all starts to be downhill from there. But nonetheless, you're right. 
Uh, those uh, that those two games you mentioned, they knocked off Illinois and Northwestern uh, that year en route to their uh, their perfect regular season. Um, keeping it moving here, keep going down through the uh, the replies. Uh, we've had a lot of Akron replies, so we got to mix in uh, some some Kent State here as well. And uh, we had quite a few uh, from the Golden Flash. I shouldn't say quite a few, but a, f- a few responses from the Golden Flashes where. Um, mentioning the the tropical smoothie Frisco Bowl, Mark. Uh, I hope I'm I hope I'm saying his name right, Mark Kudalowski. I hope I got that right, Mark. If I didn't, I apologize. But I mentioned the tr- tropical smoothie Frisco Bowl win, the first bowl win in school history a couple years ago when Dustin Crum and the Flashes uh, knocked off Jordan Love and Utah State, and also uh, the walk off that the Flashes baseball team had in the Super Regionals back in 2012 to advance to the College World Series. Banzi, similar to what we were saying with the Akron uh, men's soccer team, it feels like, you know, something like this happening, like a Mac school advancing to the College World Series. That's not something that happens all that often. And, so, and you know, as, as Mac fans, I feel like that's something that we need to put a little bit more emphasis on and, and, and amplify a little bit more. Something like this, this is a team that did something great that year. Oh, yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, we're talking about Kent State. I mean, they've had some of the, the elite runs in MAC history. I mean, you're looking at Kent State baseball, but then you're also looking at the, that final, that elite eight run. Yeah. Um, way back when, you know, in, in the Juan Dixon, uh, Maryland, Jared Jeffries, um, Indiana era. But uh, yeah, that was a tremendous run. I remember, you know, being somewhat of a casual MAC fan. And, um, you know, also not only was it a MAC school making a great run. Um, but also a Northern school, which was extra kind of double weird um, considering the state of college baseball. Uh, And uh, yeah, that really, um, you know, emphasized just how much recruiting can be done in the state of Ohio uh, for baseball. And uh, their coach that parlayed that into, uh, you know, some new opportunities down the road. Uh, I mean, is still coaching in the SEC. Um, So really that kind of set some things into motion. Yeah, certainly. Uh, moving down through the replies here, our good friend Chappie, the college football writer, uh, follow him at Chappie CFB if you haven't already. Uh, he's a Central Michigan alum, though. I don't know if some people, a lot of people might not know that because he talks about college football very broadly, but he is. Hold up, hold up. Hold up. Now, we we got we to pause on this. Uh, he actually posted yesterday that he uh, has graduated from uh, the EMU grad school. I missed that. Interesting. So, so what a what a odd breed that we have here. We have a Chippewa who's <laughs> yeah. also an eagle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I mean, hey, he must doubly hate Western Michigan. There you go. There you go. Which which leads perfectly into his favorite memory here. 2001 Western Michigan comes to Kelly short stadium. Uh, this is Western Michigan team. So, so there was a little bit of, there's a little bit of back and forth here in the comments. Chappie claimed that uh, that Western Michigan was ranked coming into this game. Uh, we had a three hearted dad, a Western Michigan fan who came to the Broncos defense and said, we weren't ranked. We were in the other receiving votes category. So we're, we're, I mean, we're, we're mincing words here. Western Michigan was much better than central Michigan in this given year, 2001, uh, Western came to Mount Pleasant, got upset at Kelly Shorts. Students stormed the field. Chappie was a part of that, uh, which that that is phenomenal. That's awesome. Banzi, have you ever been part of a, a field storming, a court storming in basketball, anything like that? Have you ever gotten to experience that? Um, not at the collegiate level. Okay. Um, my high school football team won our first ever district title. Um, on a walk-off Hail Mary uh, as time expired. Um, and, and that was crazy. Um, that, you know, I, I, I'll never forget that, but I have not been part of it at the collegiate level. Um, a lot of schools, I think, make it hard to do it. Um, you know, maybe the closest thing I've had at the collegiate level was the uh, Josh Allen Wyoming Eastern Michigan game where the fans wanted to come on the field to protest and they stopped it. But yeah, uh, not really, not really a celebratory moment there. Yeah. Um, definitely something. I mean, you know, you see the pictures of when Michigan beat Ohio State, and I have some buddies, um, you know, who who were there at that game. I should have went, 
Um, they, they have pictures on the field, just this massive humanity. And, uh, you know, that would have been incredible. But I have not been part of a crowd storm um, other than high school. Yeah, nor have I. It's something I would love to get to experience, although most, you know, a lot of conferences do seem to be cracking down on it a little bit here nowadays. Uh, the last response we got here was uh, our, our, our friend uh, Malone, Chuck Martin, 69, a Miami fan, uh, posted and actually a picture of him uh, where his seats for the 2020 Mac championship game. Uh, or I guess this would have been the 20, would have, would have, I guess it would have been the 2019 Mac championship game. I think he might've got the, the year wrong uh, when Miami defeated central Michigan. My man was like in like the sixth row, fifth row at Ford field, prime seats right at midfield to watch the Red Hawks win that game. That was, I'll be honest, Vanzi, of all the Mac title games here over the last, you know, 10 years or so, that one might be the one that surprised well I don't know if I should say that I I, I would probably have to think through that more but I, I distinctly remember feeling very confident that Central Michigan was going to win that game that day and I did not expect Miami to do what they did kudos to them they got that title I feel like a lot of you know Miami is a team here these last four or five years it has been very quietly kind of like under the radar very quietly solid in the Mac where they've been you know they're they're hovering at seven eight wins a year obviously have to have that one title in 2019 but a lot of people don't put them up there uh in you know in in terms of at least in the last five or six years in terms of like elite programs in the Mac sometimes I do feel as if they they deserve a little bit more recognition than they get Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at it, um, one, a storied history. I mean, that program, the cradle of coaches, um, a great venue to go to if you ever get the opportunity. Just, I mean, just to look at the statues, a great town, Oxford, um, the southernmost Mac school. So you get a little bit of SEC style um, kind of built in down there. But uh, I'm a big Chuck Martin fan. I like what he's done there. I thought for several years, uh, you know, he should have been a head coach somewhere. Um, before he got that opportunity, a great assistant at Notre Dame and also a great run at um, maybe someday potentially future uh, Mac school, Grand Valley State. Um, mm -hmm. He was part of kind of that dynasty at that point. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm looking at it and uh, yeah, they play in the uh, the easier Mac uh, Mac East. But I'm looking at it. I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami is a surprise Mac team this year with Gabbard at quarterback, uh, Chuck Martin. Um, and uh, and also, you know, what they do is impressive because they have the toughest admission standards in the Mac. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, that's that's worth noting. This is still college sports um, and classes and admissions still matter. It's it is. It's a it's a great point. It's a great point you make there, Vanzi. Um so let's move into our, our second um, let's move into our second question that we posted this week, which was more specific to football coming this season. We're about, you know, we're, we're less than three months away from football season here, folks, you know, two months from now, you know, teams will be in camp. We'll be a couple weeks away from, from, from real live games. Um, so let's, let's talk, uh, let's talk about some of these questions here uh, that some of the fans had. What are the biggest questions or storylines heading into this year for your school or for the Mac in general? Uh, once again, our guys over here at Zips United, we appreciate the, the, the interaction with them. So they have their question is surrounding Joe Moorhead and his offensive philosophy, right? So with Moorhead's new offense and the influx of talent coming in through the transfer portal, is it a safe bet to say that the Zips will be an upper echelon Mac squad offensively? Now, Vanzi, I think, that is a tall task to say to, for us to sit here and say, yeah, the Zips might be in the top two or three offenses in the conference. That might be asking a lot because I still think there are a lot of problems on the offensive line here. However, when you look at some of the guys that Akron landed in the transfer portal this year, I mean, you got uh, Anthony Wigan, in, uh, offensive lineman from Penn State, Daniel George, wide receiver, from Penn State. You got uh, Alex Adams, another wide receiver. This one from LSU. Clyde Price, a running back from Kansas State. Shockey Jacques-Louis, who was a, another wide receiver. This one from Pitt. You got Devin Robinson, a D lineman from Memphis. You got uh, TJ Banks, a tight end from West Virginia. Max Barnes, an offensive tackle from Houston. These are all guys that were three-star prospects or above coming out of high school. Now, on the flip side of that, you lost some guys in the portal too. Zach Gibson, your quarter 
quarterback last year. One of your quarterbacks last year transferred to Georgia Tech. Kanata Mumfield, freshman All-American wide receiver, he's gone. He went to Pitt. Your other leading receiver, uh, Michael Matheson, he transferred to Western Kentucky. So there's certainly, you know, there's a lot to replace here. And I'm still not convinced that this offensive line is going to be good enough for this team to, you know, you know, contend for a bowl game or anything like that. But it does feel like the Zips have a chance to be vastly improved this year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, but really, I mean, there's only one direction to go, and that is up. Um, yeah. you know, moving on from, uh, you know, the Baldwin uh, just was not what they expected. I mean, he had taken them to new heights. They thought they were going to go further, and it just didn't happen. Um, you know, so I, I think looking at it, it was time for a change. They made a tremendous splash in getting Joe Moorhead. Yeah. Um, it used to be, you know, your school would get a couple of power five transfers and, you know, I was kind of, ah, okay, it's probably not going to be a thing. You know, they're probably not going to be impressive. Um, but now you see such turnover with the transfer portal that I think you can kind of start counting on some of these guys. And if nothing else, you can, instead of, it's kind of done away with the Juco recruiting instead of, you know, Hey, we got this Juco kid. Well, Hey, now you got a division one power five kid coming in. Um, you know, and you can look at your roster and say, Hey, we're missing this. We're missing that. We're missing that. And then boom, plug and play. And I think Akron, um, Akron and like Bowling Green did last year, a uh, great opportunity for some of these young men to transfer in. Um, what will it look like? I like what I've seen of the irons kid. Um, yeah. I've been wrong before. Um, I think I still somewhere have my fan club membership for the Cato Nelson fan club. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you know, so it's hard to say, especially not knowing that offensive system, what exactly it will look like. But uh, if I'm an Akron fan, I mean, I, I got to say, this is this is the most excitement I've had in some time. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, you look at now again, DJ Irons, uh, you know, split time with with Zach Gibson last year at quarterback, um, missed some games with injury. He's also he's only a sophomore coming into this season. But I mean, last year. His, I mean, these are not bad numbers at all. 65% completion, 892 yards, uh, eight touchdowns, four interceptions, also had 296 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. So I think there's a lot to like there. We'll see, uh, we'll see how he meshes with some of the new talent at the on the offensive line and in the skill positions. And, and we'll see uh, you know, what the Zips are able to do this year. Do I think there'll be an elite offense in the Mac? That might be asking a bit much. But I do think the Zips will be much improved this year. And I do think, I mean, I know we talked last week about regular season win totals. I do feel very confident in saying, like, I do think the Zips are going to go over that two and a half number and win at least three games. I wouldn't be surprised to see them win four or five. But uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll be able to give better indications of that once we get to see some reports out of practice and stuff of that nature. A uh, friend of the show, Ben Pack, mentioned and asked us, will this be the year Toledo lives up to the hype? And Vansy, that is a great question because it feels like we've been asking that question every year since 2017. There was another uh, a related question uh, somewhere down below here. Let me see if I can find it. Um, uh, let's see here. Here, so our our, our friend uh, Frogtown Glassroots mentioned how hot is Jason Candle's seat at Toledo? You know, he, him. He, this is his. You know, the tweet. Our the, the fans. Uh, where it's not mine, but he's saying nobody does less with more. Nobody makes a million dollars salary while underachieving and having undisciplined teams. So based on that response and based on some other things you see on Twitter, it does seem like the Toledo fan base fancy is starting to get a little bit impatient with, with the Jason Candle era there at Toledo. They won the Mac title in 2017 in his first year. And since then it's been, you know, four straight years of a little bit of underachievement, some underperforming, uh, squads, some teams plagued by penalties, by turnovers, stuff like that. This does feel like a big year for Jason Candle and the Rockets. Well, yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, it just that first year, Matt Candle or uh, Matt uh, Campbell's players, you know, yeah. uh, you have to kind of wonder there. Um, I thought, boy, we almost had a, quite the uh, interesting story there. Ed Jason Candle left to become the Miami of Florida offensive coordinator. Um, kind of odd. It almost seemed like some people in the Toledo fraction were kind of like, yeah, okay, you know, bye, you know, like in uh, kind of, you know, seemingly said, Hey, you know, like if he's going to go, he's going to go. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think the seat's getting warmer among the fan base, but I think another, you know, eight, nine win season, um, and they're going to be, you know, he, he'll be back for another year. But uh, I do think it's it's past time. Toledo, great, uh, great facilities, great fan support, great administration support, um, great recruiting classes, great talent. There just really isn't an excuse to not be winning the MAC. Um, I think when you look at them last year, they were more talented, almost beating Notre Dame, more talented than NIU. They just didn't have the sum of the parts. And, um, you know, I I really, I think their quarterback, uh, you know, what they do uh, replacing Kovac will be interesting, but I think the quarterback Finn is going to have a chance to be a dynamic playmaker. And uh, I think they're going to line up to have another very good year. Um, At this point though, I don't think you, you know, if you, said right now, hey, you got to pick somebody to win the Mac. Is it Toledo or the field? I'm taking the field. I'm not I'm not taking Toledo. They haven't really shown that they can win that. Also Toledo walleye men's or Toledo walleye hockey uh, lost in the ECHL finals. So just something there, just something about Toledo. They can't quite get that title all the way home. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's the, the way you described it a couple minutes ago there during your explanation saying that they have the talent, but they're not necessarily, you know, the sum of the parts you would think is greater than the talent of the individuals, but that doesn't always seem to be the case with the Rockets. Every year, it seems like we come into the preseason. Everyone talks about how t- talented this roster is, how it's one of the best in the Mac. And yet every year they, they, they seem to, there's just a couple games where they can't get out of their own way. Um, another, another question that we've got from multiple people here, one being from uh, the same Ben Pack and, Another from uh, the Burger Popper, Omar Rashawn Borgia. Uh, most likely Mac over a Power Five upset this year. And Vanzi, there are a couple intriguing matchups uh, on on the calendar for for the non conference slate. I mean, we mentioned earlier Central Michigan going to Oklahoma State to take on the Cowboys again. Central Michigan certainly one of the favorites to win the Mac this year. I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be uh, super up to date on what Oklahoma State's roster looks like for this coming season. But obviously, a good program there in Stillwater under Mike Gundy. We got. Uh, I mean, we got some some interesting opportunities here. Western Michigan takes on Pitt at home. We mentioned Miami a couple minutes ago. They have a couple uh, potential opportunities. They travel down to Kentucky uh, to open the season uh, in against an SEC foe, and they also take on Miami. Uh, later in September, or excuse me, take on Miami, take on Northwestern later in September. Vanzi, are there any uh, games here on in your mind that stick out a little bit where you think the, the Mac might be able to steal one? Uh, yeah, as far as uh, um, a Mac against a power five, five uh, potential upset, uh, you know, there's there's some good ones out there. I think uh, Western Michigan hosting Pitt, they beat Pitt last year at Pitt. Um, Kenny Pickett is in walking through that door, both programs breaking in new quarterbacks this year. I've uh, got to think that that one's got a chance. I don't like the odds of uh, Oklahoma State losing to Central Michigan. Central Michigan is going to be one of the more talented Mac schools, but I, I just don't see uh, Oklahoma State letting their guard down again. I got to think that uh, um, Gundy's going to have them gunning. Uh, for the Chippewas. Uh, another one to keep an eye on, I would say, uh, you know, I'd love to see Toledo beat Ohio State at Ohio State. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I would say maybe Western at Michigan State. Uh, Western's offensive coordinator is the dad of the Michigan State quarterback, uh, Peyton Thorne. Um, so that'll be a much talked about storyline. That would be a very interesting um, one to uh, potentially see happening there. Michigan State loses some talent. Um, It'd probably take, you know, almost a perfect storm, but that's kind of, um, you know, what it comes down to. Yeah, man, that that Toledo-Ohio State game, that would be an upset for the ages there, not just in the MAC, but I think in college football in general. What's They always say, what's it been, 100 years or whatever since Ohio State has lost to another team from the state of Ohio, or I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's something along those lines, which is pretty crazy uh, regardless. Um, another Another – kind of more specific question and kind of along the same veins here from Nick Partipolo. Uh, will, well, I guess it's a two-pronged question here. Will Northern Illinois repeat and can they snag an SEC victory? They have two games this year against SEC foes. Vandy actually comes to DeKalb and the, the Huskies also 
have to travel down to Lexington to play Kentucky. Going to Kentucky might be a little bit of a tall order there. But I, Vansy, I mean, Van, uh, Vanderbilt is a team that is down right now. They have not been very good since James Franklin left last, you know, what was that, 10 years ago now? I think that, you know, Vandy coming into uh, DeKalb in September, I could see Northern Illinois winning that game. Yeah, I could too. Uh, uh, it would have to be that one because I don't see Northern Illinois beating Will Levis, um, you yeah. know, in uh, um, that Kentucky team that I think is a sleeper um, this year coming up. But uh, yeah, I think Vanderbilt, uh, that would be an upset watch. I would imagine NIU has a pretty good chance of being favored in that game um, for uh, sports betting friends there. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. Will NIU repeat? Um, boy, they had a young team last year. They returned most of it. Boy, I don't, I don't usually like a MAC team to repeat, though. I, so I'm going to go with no. Um, yeah, I would, I would go with no on that one um, just because it's hard to repeat. And, uh, you know, that's about all the logic I got there. I just, I, I just don't see, you know, it happening back-to-back years. Yeah, they, I think they, they, they had so many close games too. Some of those are going to break the other one. It's a great point. Yeah, a lot of coin flip games for for the Huskies last year. I think about that game up at Central Michigan, which they probably should have lost. Um, the other thing, I think I, it's not that I don't believe in Northern Illinois this year. I don't think they can repeat. I do think though they have um, the disadvantage of being in the West Division, where I mean we talked about this last week, Fancy, where you could you could make the argument that the five best teams in the MAC this year are all in the West. Maybe not five. Maybe the top four teams in the MAC this year are all in the West, and so that's a tough schedule to run through to be able to repeat and get back to Ford Field. Certainly a tall task. Uh, for the Huskies in that regard. Um, our, our friend Chappie uh, emerges again, talking about one of his uh, directional Michigan uh, uh, alma maters, talking about your Eastern Michigan Eagles, Vansy, says here, Chris Creighton has done wonders at Eastern Michigan. Can he finally help his team get over the hump and play for a MAC championship this season with a stocked wide receiver room, a great O-line, and a capable QB in Taylor Powell? What are your thoughts on that there, Vansy? I do agree with Chappie in the sense that I think Eastern Michigan might they low-key, not many people are talking about this. At least I haven't seen it. Eastern Michigan might have the best group of receivers in the MAC. Uh, Tanner New, Asam Badoon are there. I uh, got some some great skill position guys there. Obviously, Taylor Powell comes in. He's unproven in the sense that he was he has not started in the MAC. He does seem like he's going to be the replacement. What are your thoughts there uh, for, for the Eagles this year? Well, also, you didn't mention uh, Dylan Drummond, who might Dylan be Drummond, uh, yes, of course. You know, other than Hassan Beydoun, maybe the uh, the biggest name there. Um, all those names you mentioned, and you know, shout out to the offensive lineman Brian Dooley, City City Sal, uh, Jake Delanion, you know, all those guys, everybody, all those offensive linemen. Um, but we haven't mentioned anybody on defense. Mm. And I, that's what scares me um, about EMU this year is just where is that defense? Is it going to take that next step? Um, right now, I think they're kind of in that dogfight. I don't think you could put them, you know, higher than expecting them, you know, third in the MAC West. Um, but it is a program which overachieves. Um, I, I just, you know, it's going to be a tough year to take that step. Um, that non-conference can be pretty tough. Uh, Arizona State, Louisiana, those are going to be tough games. Um, I think you got to have reasonable expectations. I know everybody wants eight wins. They want a MAC championship, a MAC division title. You know, I think that's going to be tough. I'd be happy with the Michigan MAC um, this year in a bowl game. You know, beat Central, get back to a bowl game. Um, that I think should be the lowest of the bar. Um, I'm, I'm a big Taylor Powell guy. I think he's going to have a good year. going to make people forget about Ben Bryant. Also, it seems like it's been, you know, 10 years since Ben Bryant transferred. Like it's, it's, you know, that happened long ago, but, um, you know, I, I want to be a homer and say, they're going to take that next seven are going to win a Mac title. Um, but this is a program that's player development. They overachieve. I wouldn't bet against the program. Um, but at this point, kind of like Toledo and winning the MAC championship until they can prove they can take that next step. I don't think you can write it down, you know, at least not in pen. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I would agree with that. And again, I would say the same thing about Eastern Michigan that I said about Northern Illinois. I, I think they, there's a lot of talent there, but it's like, man, that West division is going to be so tough to get out of. 
unscathed. We'll see. I mean, whoever emerges from that division this year, I think is, is, is going to probably win the conference. Um, moving on down here. Uh, we actually, here is a, um, we've got an interesting uh, response from uh, let's ride. One of our fans who's a Western Michigan supporter. He claims here that Western Michigan is recruiting like a big 10 school, which I don't know if I agree with that. When will that translate to a MAC championship? He says he feels like the Broncos could surprise a lot of people this fall. The schedule is in their favor. I got to be honest, Vansy. I don't know. This is the the Broncos are a team where I have a lot of question marks. You're losing. Uh, you're losing your quarterback. You're losing Sky Moore. You're losing a bunch of pieces on defense. Uh, the offensive line is replacing some people. To me, this is a team that I feel like might be set up for a little bit of a disappointing this year. This year, being the Broncos. What do you think? Yeah, um, I'm not a big Tim Lester guy, you know, yeah. I kind of put him in the Jason Candle, uh, kind of, you know, like very talented. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on that quarterback. Um, I think if there is a team that I, I think you can maybe say, okay, they're going to, they're going to struggle, they're going to maybe take a step back, I'd probably have to say Western Michigan. Um, I think the gap has grown between them and Central. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not buying, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid there with Western this year. Um, I think they're very similar to Eastern Michigan in the, in the sense that you're looking at probably six, seven wins and uh, some things would have to go right to take that next step. I would say I could see things going more wrong and them being kind of more towards the middle of the pack than things going right and them leading the division. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I would agree with that for sure. Uh, be an interesting year, certainly. A lot to, a lot to look for in that Western division this year. Um, iSports Daily mentioned uh, Akron, what's the ceiling with the, uh, for the Zips with the new squad of transfers? We basically already covered that one, Vansy. We do feel like the Zips will be improved, but there's still uh, a long, uh, long hill to climb uh, there for him. Scott Sarah said the same thing. Can Moorhead foot bring the football team around and get some wins again? I'll say it again. We, we certainly feel like the zips are going to be improved this year. How much certainly remains to be, uh, to dirt, to be determined. Our friend here, Malone, this guy, Chuck Martin, 69, he had commented on both posts this week here in this thread. He actually mentioned something that I had no clue about that actually blew my mind. I had to go back and look. His tweet was, will Miami ever lose at home again? It's been 1,354 days and counting. Now, I was not aware of this. This got me, I, you know, I looked back at Miami's schedule. Vansy, the Miami Redhawks have not lost a game at home in Oxford since Saturday, September 29th, 2018, when they lost to Western Michigan by one point, the Red Hawks have won their last 15 home games there in Oxford. I was not aware of that streak, but that is quite impressive. Well, all I can assume that would contribute to that uh, one, your, you know, your biggest opponent each year is Cincinnati and you're playing them typically if it's Miami's turn to host it's at a neutral site usually Paul Brown Stadium correct um and by the way protect that rivalry I hope that keeps happening uh with them going to the Big 12 um but also the other thing I can think of is that I don't know you've probably never been to Oxford but you go to Oxford um there's some wonderful establishments um serving some wonderful beverages you know, I've heard great things about it. I've never been though. You're right. I've never been. Yeah. So I, I have to assume that teams are rolling into Oxford and they're hitting up places like uh, brick street and, and uh, some of the other, uh, yeah. other great stomping grounds out there. And uh, that's contributing to that. Yeah. That's a stat boy. That doesn't get uh, a lot of play. Um, that is surprising um, because when you look at their attendance and you look at the stadium and the field itself, um, you wouldn't imagine home field advantage. Yeah, you're certainly right about that. You're certainly right about that. Yeah, that's a great point there. So some teams roll in, uh, you know, they go in there, they, you know, visit some local establishments, they drink some things that aren't Gatorade, leads to a little bit of a, a decreased performance the next day. I could, that could be part of the part of the theory here, Vansy. But anyway, folks, that's our last response here from these, uh, these two threads we had this posted this week. Again, this was much less formal than our usual episodes. We didn't have a strict, you know, you know, rundown or stories to talk about. We just wanted to kind of shoot the breeze with you guys a little bit. And uh, we appreciate all the interaction we've had with all of you over the last two years. 
Uh, it's been a great run. We, we appreciate uh, all of you. We appreciate you tuning in every week and lending us your ears. And Fancy, uh, any final thoughts, any wise words for the people here to get them through the weekend? Yeah, um, you know, kind of a closing note there. Uh, there's some buzz going around that, uh, you know, it might be uh, Amani Bates watch in Ipsilati. So Really? Uh, I know, you know, I know, I saw your tweet the other day that, you know, the fact that he still hasn't committed anywhere makes you feel good about EMU's chances. Man, if, if he commits to the Eagles, that would be a story, man. You know, there's been unverified reports, uh, you know, that he, that he's been, you know, they took a visit, all this stuff. You know, there's people messaging me like, hey, I saw him. Well, he is from Ipsy. I mean, you know, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, um, and a lot of the recruiting services pulled their support. Um, you know, the crystal balls, as they say, that said Louisville. And now they're saying undecided. So potentially, you know, maybe something to keep an eye on. Um, a lot of talk that it's between Michigan and Eastern. And if you're looking at admissions on, road, on schools on Washtenaw Avenue there, um, Eastern's a little bit easier to get admitted to. <laughs> there you go. Man, that would be a heck of a get for Stan Heath as he enters year two there in Ypsilanti. So that's certainly something we'll keep an eye on here over the next couple of weeks. And uh, we'll break down that story uh, when it happens. Uh, but anyway, folks, that'll wrap it up for us here this week. Thank you for tuning in this week and for all the weeks leading up to this one. It's been 100, uh, 100 episodes now. We're going to keep them rolling. We appreciate your support throughout all of it. He is Zach Manuenzi. I am Zach Follador. Thanks for tuning in this week, folks. We'll see you again next Friday. Have a great week and a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.